Take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 as we continue in our study of the model prayer, verses 9 through 13. If you read my grace notes this past week, you you read a little quote that I gave out of a a book that I started reading this week. It's by one of my favorite writers, uh, a lady by the name of Marva Dawn. I don't know if you've ever read any of Marva Dawn's stuff or not, but she's a She's quite a remarkable lady. She's legally blind. She has a severe case of MS. She has uh, knees that basically don't function. Uh, She has uh, unbelievable kidney and uh, intestinal problems that plague her all the time. She is just one very ill woman in the the scope of things. Most, If you would look at it, you would say, How does she do anything? One of the remarkable things is that out of that pain and suffering and sickness and uh, everything flows an understanding of God many times that I think we who are healthy and wealthy and wise, or at least we think we are, don't see. This little book is entitled, In the Beginning, God, and it's, it's subtitled, Creation, Culture, and the Spiritual Life. And it's talking about the first uh, three chapters of Genesis. But I was fascinated by the beginning. I don't normally read things to you, but I'm going to do that today because I want you to hear this. I was fascinated by the opening three paragraphs. Just listen carefully to this. And it relates to our passage today. The Bible is all about God. Now that might seem an overly obvious point with which to make to begin a book about character formation. But if we consider the matter seriously, we discover that we often read the Bible imagining it to be about ourselves. It's about God, but we imagine it's about us. One way to ponder this is to contemplate the underlying question we usually bring to the Bible. Often we ask ourselves as we read, how does this apply to me? Or, how will I live out this text? Less nobly, we might even ask subconsciously, How can this text make me feel good? Or how can I use this passage to support my own arguments or ideas? Notice that the focus has shifted away from God and to us. What would happen if instead we first asked such questions as, What is is God doing in this text? Or, What is God revealing about one or all of the triune persons in this passage? It might seem like a small matter, but it is actually an enormous shift in perspective. It is the move from self-improvement to adoration. It's a move from self-improvement to adoration. A move from self-help, if you will, which our culture is absolutely inundated by, A move from self-help to worship and adoration before the living God. That's a tremendous thought that she gives. If if you don't don't hear anything else about this book, those three little short paragraphs say a whole lot about how we ought to approach the Word. Well, when we come to the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer here in in Matthew chapter 6, indeed when we come to all the Sermon on the Mount and indeed the whole Gospel of Matthew and indeed the entire Bible, when we come to that, What are we asking about? What is this teaching us about God? Well, we saw in the first part that it taught in verse 9 that He is a holy God and we are to pray that His name would be made holy among us. 
We were taught in verse 10 that he is, a, he is a king, he is a lord, and he reigns over a kingdom, and we are to pray that his kingdom will come. That is by the spreading of the gospel and using us in spreading that gospel. We saw that we were to pray that his will, not our will, but his will be done on earth as it is in heaven because his will is all wise, his will is all right, his will is perfect. We're to pray for that. And then we come to verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. And verse 12, and forgive us our debts as also we've forgiven our debtors. In verse 13, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Three of the, the next three petitions. Now most people understand or acknowledge in most of the commentators that the first three petitions he gave about uh, his name being hallowed, about his kingdom coming, about his will be done, has to do with him. It has to do with exalting him. It has to do with glorifying him. It has to do with focusing on him. And then they quickly say that the next three center on us. I contend to you that while they are about us in a very real sense of the word, they are still focusing on God. Because when it says, give us this day our daily bread, it's focusing on the one who gives our daily bread. I believe it's as much a statement as it is a question uh, or as a petition. Give us this day our daily bread talks about the one who gives our daily bread, and that is the Father. The next phrase we'll look at next week talks about forgive us our sins or forgive us our debts. That's relating to the Son, who is the forgiver, who went to the cross, took our sins upon himself. And then when it says lead us not into temptation, I believe that's reflecting on the Holy Spirit, the one who guides us and protects us and takes us through this life. And so in the second half of this prayer, you not only don't have it just about us, you have it reflecting the glory and the beauty of the Trinity. Now, I want to tell you something. Had I not read that first three paragraphs of Marva Dawn's book, I don't think I would have seen that because I would have been looking at it from a very self-centered manner. I would have started out this sermon by saying, now we need to pray for what we need every day, and we do. We're allowed to do that. But do you realize that some people look at that statement and say, why, Here's a contradiction in Scripture. Give us this day our daily bread. Why would we pray that? Has not Jesus just back in verse 8 said, don't be like the Gentiles and repeat and be loud and all this meaningless repetition. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So your Father knows what you need. He knows what your needs are. You're not going there to tell Him anything is that not a contradiction? Pray for our daily bread to be met. Pray to tell God our needs. Go and pre present our needs before Him. But God already knows that. It's not a, a contradiction at all if you understand what the real purpose and the real desire of prayer ought to be. Prayer is not just about getting something from God. Prayer is not just about going before Him and saying, Now, Lord, here's the deal. If you'll give me this, then I'll do this. You know, God is giving this daily bread. He's not selling it. He's not bargaining for it. Jesus doesn't say, go to him and say, Lord, if you'll meet my daily bread, I'll serve you faithfully. That's not it at all. That's a very works mentality. That's a very works orientation. Jesus is saying here, you need to pray, give us this day our daily bread with an anticipation and with an expect expect expectation that God is already at work doing this. It's an amazing statement because, you see, prayer is really, I believe, scripturally speaking, th this is getting to the heart of prayer because I believe prayer is really more 
about a relationship between a father and a child than it is about trying to get something from God. I believe it's more about a relationship. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. We'll talk more about that. But understand that that's important. It's about a relationship. It's about a conversation. It's about carrying on that conversation. Have you ever used the little acrostic to talk about prayer and think about prayer? Acts. Acts. A-C-T-S. I'm trying to learn how to say that. Acts. Not Acts. A-X. Everybody, most of us say Acts. The book of Acts like it's A-X. It's A-C-T-S. Acts. It's hard to say. Anyway. That's important, but, but the little acrostic A-C-T-S, you know, A for adoration, C for confession, T for thanksgiving, and then S for supplication. It's not a bad acrostic. It reminds us not only of the basic elements of prayer, but it reminds us of the priority of it. Our first, in, our first point in prayer ought to be adoration, ought to be worship. That's what Jesus teaches us here in verse 9. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, holy be your name. There's an adoration of God there. There's a bowing before him there, acknowledging him for who he is. So there is adoration. Then there's confession. Uh, Jesus kind of deals with that in, in verse 12, but we'll get to that shortly and next week. Then there's thanksgiving and thanking God for all these done. And finally there's supplication, requesting of God, that which we see as our needs, interceding for those whom we love and care about and lifting them up before the Lord. It's not a bad acrostic to think about prayer. The one thing that you might say, well, where in the world does Thanksgiving fit in, in that acrostic, into the Lord's Prayer? I think it fits in exactly where we are today on Thanksgiving. I think it fits in exactly right here when it says, give us this day our daily bread. It's saying to the Father, I'm trusting you for what I need today. I'm trusting you as the provider. I'm trusting you as the one who knows my needs and is, is meeting those needs even when I don't see it, even before I see it. I know that you are the one that is wor at work. And so, Lord, I, I praise you. I thank you. I rejoice in you. This request simply reminds us that God takes care of his children. He really does. He takes care of those who are in his family. That's not everybody on the face of the earth. It's those who are in the covenant of grace. Those who are in relationship with Jesus Christ. I like what David said in Psalm 37 verse 25. David said, I've been young and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging for bread. I have been young and I am now old and I've never seen those who are a part of his family, the righteous ones, forsaken by God, are begging for bread at the hands of somebody else. God provides for his family. Now when Jesus says here, give us this day our daily bread, I think there are three little things you ought to see in that. Again, we've already kind of alluded to it. It's an acknowledgement, Father, that we come to you for our daily bread. We come to you. We don't trust in kings. We don't trust in governments. We don't trust in stimulus programs. We don't trust in our bank accounts. We don't trust in our abilities. We don't trust in our wealth. We come, O oh Lord, as your children trusting in you. You give us this day our daily bread. Now, that's not an excuse for not working. 
it's amazing how God uses sort of a synergy here of, of I will meet your needs, but you're to, you're to work for your needs. You're to care. I mean, Paul said very clearly to the Thessalonians, he said, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't what? Eat. Yeah. I, I mean, there's no thing for laziness here. I'm just waiting around on God to give me my daily bread. I'm just going to sit here and ponder when my bread's coming. Yeah, that's not what Jesus is saying. There is a sense in which we understand that even that which we earn by our hands comes as a gift from God. He gives us the gift to be able to, to, to work. He gives us the gift to be able to earn it. But that too is a gift from His hand. And we come to Him thanking Him for that. Lord, give us. You're the giver. You're the provider. You're the one who has it all. We, we know that He's the one who has, a, as the psalmist said, a thousand or the cattle on a thousand hills. And he can protect and he can meet the needs of his children. Second thing we see in that little phrase, give us this day our daily bread, is, is give us this day, today. It's an expression that relates to not next week, not next month. I'm not asking for a big storehouse, Lord. I'm just asking you to meet my needs as I come to this day. This is probably a prayer that would have been prayed according to Jesus in the morning. Lord, I'm about to face the day, and I don't know what's out there. I don't know what kind of pitfalls I'm going to come into. I don't know what's going to attack me today. But you're there ahead of me providing for all that I need, not just physically but also spiritually, not just for, for my bread that I will eat and, and fill my stomach, the food and all, but also my shelter and my clothes because this word bread is a word that was a Hebraism. They used this in Jesus' day to speak not just of a piece of bread, not just literal grain that's been ground and mixed and, and baked, but the bread referred to everything I need, my clothes, my shelter, my food, everything. And so the, uh, Jesus in this prayer is saying, you are to come and acknowledge that it comes from his hand. It comes for this day, and it's to be every area of life that you have need in. Most of us want to concentrate on give us this day our daily bread in our prayers. We want to do it in such a way, though, that's not just about daily bread. It's not just about daily needs. But we concentrate on, Lord, what I want, what I'm lusting after, what I am envious of, what I am coveting that my neighbor has, I want that and more. And, and Jesus never promises. As a matter of fact, there's no license given here to ask for wealth. There's no license given here for asking for anything beyond just that which meets our daily needs. Now, I know that runs against everything our culture teaches us. You've got to have a nest egg. You've got to have so much money in the bank so that if something happens, you can take care of yourself and you don't want to be left without your needs being met. You know, you've got to take, if you don't look out for yourself, nobody else is going to look out for you. Well, according to Jesus, that's not exactly true. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and squander your savings accounts. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying that you've got to come to a point where your trust is not in that savings account. Your trust is not in that 401K. Your trust is not in your stocks and bonds for tomorrow or for today, that your trust is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your trust is in your Heavenly Father who provides for you in such a phenomenal, tremendous way. We don't tell God these things because He's not aware of them. We have to come to think of prayer, if you will, 
in that relationship matter of a father and a child. The value of prayer is that it keeps us in touch and in contact with the Father. What would happen if tomorrow you who have these resources, I couldn't do this with my kids, so I'll never know. But what if tomorrow you were to give your son or your daughter a gift of, let's just say, a million dollars. You've got it. We can pretend here. You've got it, and you give it to your son or your daughter. And your son or your daughter is excited about it. Oh, Dad, this is so cool. This is so good. I'm so excited about that. And they take your million dollars, and they go to some place they've always wanted to go and live, and they just go, and they, they enjoy themselves there. And they're, uh, Maybe they're not like the prodigal son who's squandering everything on every way, but they're just living off it, and they're enjoying it, and they're, they're living rather luxuriously for a while. And during that period of time while they're away, they never call you. I mean, just to say, hey, Dad, how are you? Uh, just wanted to see if everybody's, everything's all right at home and let you know that I'm okay here. They never call. They, they never write. They just are off enjoying that money and enjoying that gift you gave them to the fullest. How are you going to feel about that? You're going to be hurt. Your spirit's going to be wounded. Because here you did something that you thought was good and you thought it would enhance the relationship. But rather than enhance the relationship, man, it has broken the relationship because they're off enjoying it and they don't even remember you're back at home. But one day it runs out. And the phone rings. Uh, Dad, how you doing? Fine, where have you been? Oh, I've just, you know, I've been busy. Had a lot going on with that million dollars you gave me and been enjoying it. But Dad, there's a problem. What's the problem? I'm out. You know, what would you say? I'd be tempted to say, I don't know if I would or not, but I'd be tempted to say, well, I'm sorry. Where have you been for the last three years? You know, where's that fellowship? Where's that love now? Because they focused on the gift. Focused on the provision. They weren't too concerned about the giver. Are we not like that many times? God blesses us beyond imagination. God gives us out of his good riches and the riches of his grace. And things are going great in our life. And man, we're off doing our own thing. We're playing our games. We're doing what we want to do for entertainment. We're building our houses. We're buying our cars. We're, everything's going great. And, and we're, our prayer life is just sort of that shallow type prayer life. Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul will keep. Or God is great, God is good. Let's thank you for our food, now let's eat. You know, it's just nothing. But then a difficult time comes. A hard time comes. We lose everything. And we know by Scripture that can happen. Just read the book of Job and what can happen. A very wealthy man can go to a very destitute man in no, no time at all. Just, just by, whoop, it's gone. And, and, and we find ourselves saying, oh, Lord. Oh, Heavenly Father. Oh, God of all grace and all might and God that I love and God I can't. Lord, Lord, I really need you now. Now, I'm thankful God is not like I would be, typically, in saying, where have you been? But you 
you've got to know it. It's painful even to the heart of Almighty God when His children, whom He loves beyond all, compa- all measure, just want His blessings and they don't want Him. See, prayer is not about getting blessings. Prayer is not about getting things from God. Prayer is about intimate relationship and intimate fellowship with a Father. Now, now this is difficult to comprehend sometimes. I realize that. But it's the truth of the Christian life. God wants us, and as our Father, He likes for us to speak with Him. He likes for us to come before Him. He finds pleasure in our finding pleasure in Him. He finds pleasure in us being satisfied in Him alone. Lord, just give me this day my daily bread. Nothing beyond. I don't want anything else. I just want to know that you're providing me today. Solomon had a statement about that that I know I've read this before because I've read through the Bible and I've read through everything, but it hit me this week just like a baseball bat. In, in Proverbs 30, verses 7 through 9, listen to what he says. Just listen. Two things I ask of you, addressing God. This is Solomon's prayer. Two things I ask of you, do not refuse me before I die. In other words, in this life, this is what I want. Keep deception and lies far from me. How's he going to do that? Well, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion, that I I not be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or that I not be in want and steal and profane the name of God. Of my God. That's wisdom. The two extremes. Lord, I ask you in this life, don't make me rich. Because if I'm rich, I'm liable to just think it's all mine and it's all about me. And I'll just say, well, who is God? What does he have to do with this? I earned this money. I made this. So Lord, don't make me rich. But don't make me poverty stricken either because then I will steal and and by stealing I'll violate your character and your nature and your command and I'll profane the very name of my God it's a wise prayer that Solomon prayed it's a wise thought that he gives us there and I think that's what Jesus is saying here in this passage you don't pray for riches you don't want what, what you don't need You merely pray that God will take and give to you. This is a marvelous thing. This is a tremendous truth. I think as we look at this prayer, and we've looked at it now weeks. This is our our fourth week on how to pray. and We looked at a week on how not to pray. So our our fifth week looking at at this passage. And one of the things I think we see is that, as I said, God likes for us to come to him. The God who is self-existent. The great Yahweh who is not dependent on anybody. The God who reigns from eternity to eternity. Who exists in and of himself apart from all. Who is the great other. Who is the great uh, transcendent God. He's also imminent to us. He's also close to us. Because we are his children. And he likes us to come to him. And he likes to hear us. He doesn't need that. 
but we do. He likes it. We need it. That's the essence of prayer. That's the importance of prayer. That's why the child of God, praying to the child of God, praying ought to be as natural as breathing. It ought to be as natural as eating. It ought to be as natural as speaking. Speaking with your father on earth is a great thing. I, my dad's been with the Lord since 2001, and there are still days to this moment that I want to pick up the phone and call dad. I mean, I had that about two weeks ago, and it's one of those moments where I don't know, I must have been half out of my mind. Most of you would argue I'm half out of my mind most of the time. But, but I, I, I woke up from a nap, and I, my first thought was, I need to go call dad. And I went, where did that come from? Dad's been dead for eight years. But yet there's that, there's that bond, there's that thing. He is my dad, and I, I liked to talk to him. I liked to, to speak with him, and he loved it when I called. In that one way, I think our Heavenly Father is a lot like our earthly father. Loves to hear from us. Loves to hear our voice. Loves to know that we are saying, Lord, I am dependent upon you. I am coming before you because I need you. I'm coming before you because I am not self-existent. You are. You, you have all you need within yourself, but I don't. I need you. Give me this day our daily bread. Give, me, give us this day our daily bread. Give me my daily bread. Give me my daily bread of, of, of physical needs and my daily bread of spiritual needs as I come into your presence, O oh Lord. This matter of prayer is serious stuff. Serious stuff. Jesus is simply saying, don't ever forget the relationship. Realize that we are absolutely and utterly dependent upon God, even for our daily bread. I think in closing, the thing this prayer, especially this phrase, reminds us of, excuse me, over and over. This petition teaches us to come to God in a spirit of humble dependence, asking Him to provide what we need and to sustain us from day to day, but especially today. We're not given license to ask for riches, but we're encouraged to make our need as we see it known to Him, trusting completely in Him that he will provide. It's the kind of father we have. He doesn't give it to us all at once so that we'll go off and squander it. You know, the, Paul makes a statement that's quite remarkable. He says in Ephesians, he said, We have been blessed with all heavenly, all, all blessings in the heavenly places. We have been blessed with all blessings in the heavenly places. That is, you know, we don't have to pray, Lord, bless us. He's already blessed us with every blessing that there ever was or ever will be. He has blessed us. Wow. But you know what? He didn't give it to us all at once. He didn't give us that million dollars and say, okay, now, hope to hear from you soon. 
He's given us all spiritual blessings, but we realize them and we recognize them and we appropriate them as we walk with Him. And walking with Him involves prayer. Walking with Him involves fellowship. God's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. But He gives them out as we need them. He shares them with us as we need them. What a a faithful God. So you see, I think Marva Dawn is right. When you read this verse, give us this day our daily bread, and say, what is this teaching me about God? What is this teaching me about the Father? What is this teaching me about the Trinity? Rather than, how can this make me feel better? It makes us feel better because we see the glory and the might and the power and the sovereignty and the majesty and the glory of our Father. Let's pray. Father, as we bow in your presence, we acknowledge, O Lord, that we are dependent upon you. And you are not dependent upon us. You are the self-sufficient, self-existent, mighty Yahweh who spoke and creation came into existence. And who even now can speak and change reality. Father, we bow before you this morning. Acknowledging our dependence and our need for you. Lord, we may be sitting here with money in the bank. But that cannot be our source of security. Because that can go tomorrow. Lord, we have to trust in you and you alone. You are a mighty heavenly father. Lord, I I just pray this morning for men and women who are here that may not know you. I pray that your Holy Spirit will literally arrest them this morning. Even as you arrested the Apostle Paul on the Damascus Road, I pray, Lord, you would just arrest them with your spirit. Show them the Savior. Bring them to faith in Christ. Father, we rejoice in your goodness. In Jesus' holy name.